I walked in uh, about 10 minutes ago into this room and I looked over to this section here and it looked sparse. And I thought, oh no, they slept in or the fire alarms went off again or there's, they didn't make it down the mountain yesterday. But then I saw this. Like, what on earth is going on? Uh, so I am either feeling threatened or I feel the love. I don't know if they're going to ambush me or what, but these are uh, some of our students. I see the rest of you that are scattered throughout um, by an event. Thank you. Uh, you are very brave. I will try not to spit. Okay, so what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Have you ever heard this question before? What are you thinking? Or have you um, ever maybe asked this question or been asked the question, what were you thinking? <laughs> so my guess is that many of us, what you were doing that warranted that question, some of you would be very hesitant, and I don't blame you. The answer oftentimes to the question, what were you thinking, is, I really wasn't, <laughs> at least not very clearly. I have a few, well, I, to be honest with you, I have many not thinking clearly occasions of my own. There was a, uh, a time when I was in college and I accepted a dare. What was I thinking? So the dare was to try drinking a, a so again, don't do this at home. Anyone, please, kids, students, don't do this. Uh, so the dare was to drink a half gallon of water within a half, uh, half an hour. Yeah, and many of you are thinking, how hard can that be? Half gallon of water. Do not try that. Bad things will happen. And especially do not try it just before you're planning to go to bed, like, like I did. Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> that was the question I kept asking myself every hour when I was getting up to walk down the hallway to do you know what. What was I thinking all the next day because I didn't get any sleep? What was I thinking? Oh, what a stupid thing. I, uh, clearly, I was not. Well, we're not going to spend... Um, the rest of this morning talking about foolish things that I've done or foolish things that you've done. However, I want to give you, those of you joining us online, an opportunity to maybe um, type in the chat. If you've done one of these, what was I thinking kinds of things, um, just put in the chat, been there, done that, and we'll know exactly what you mean. That'll be fun. So sometimes we do foolish things because we're not thinking clearly in the moment, right? We've all done this. We've all done it. Sometimes, however, we get fooled into doing things that we later regret. We get tricked. Every day, it, it feels like for me, probably for many of you, it feels like someone is trying to scam us, right? Into clicking on something or to calling them back on uh, some number, it just happens all the time. Am I the only one? No. Like, we're targeted. And somebody is trying to trick us. Somebody's trying to fool us. Somebody's 
trying to scam us. And unfortunately, sometimes we, get, we do get tricked and we accidentally click and some bad things happen. Nobody likes being caught doing foolish things. I certainly don't. But I am so thankful to God for people in our lives who are willing to call it out when we do with a hope that we won't do it again. That's what friends are for. And I'm thankful for friends like that. Well, today, today we're, we're looking at Galatians chapter 3 in the book of Galatians. And it actually begins with Paul asking his readers the question, what were you thinking? This is how Galatians chapter 3 begins. We'll put it up here, just the first couple of verses on the screen. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched or, or who has fooled you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Let's uh, pray again as we begin to dive into this. So Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the ways in which your word is so relevant to us today. So bring it alive, we pray. Help us to see what we need to see, to hear what we need to hear, and then to respond in ways that we need to respond in your name and to your glory. Amen. Okay, so we're working our way through the book of Galatians in a series called Life by the Spirit. And as a reminder... Uh, this book is a letter that the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to several churches that he helped. You know, I like maps, and so there's Galatia right there in the smack dab in the middle. For those of you who are just joining us, and I know there are several of you that are joining us for the first time in this series, I'll just quickly catch you up so that you don't feel behind. So very early in this letter, Paul made it clear why he was writing to why he was writing this letter to these churches in Galatia, uh, right there in uh, Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter one, uh, verses six and seven. Paul wrote this, and this is the reason why he wrote the letter. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are now turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So Paul had preached the gospel of Christ in Galatia, uh, which is a place uh, that had a majority Gentile population. By Gentile, we mean non-Jewish population. And for a while, these new believers, again, who had no Jewish background, they were thriving in their new freedom in Christ. 
they were relishing everything that they were experiencing, the work of the Holy Spirit, um, a freedom from sin, um, joy of just being in fellowship with God and fellowship with one another, and everything was hunky-dory. But as happened as had happened before, and we saw this in chapter 2, Uh, that it had happened in Antioch, but it had happened actually in many other places. There were some misguided followers of Christ. And it's difficult to know exactly how to refer to them. So I'll just say they were misguided. uh, And I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Misguided followers of Christ who had a Jewish background and they had spiritual authority. So people had heard of these, these um, men, they were men, and, uh, and they came up into this region uh, after Paul had left. And so they came in, and, um, and essentially they hear what, they, what Paul had taught, and, and these misguided individuals said, mm, Paul almost got it right, but not quite right. <laughs> And so these guys began to insist that actually really what they needed to do was, yes, believe in Jesus, but also follow the Jewish laws and traditions, right? This is what they're saying. And, and they spoke with authority and with conviction and probably with some you know, misconstrued scripture, And they convinced these young believers that this was exactly what they were to do. And so they began to get all confused. And so this is the corruption of the gospel that Paul is referring to when he said that they preached a different gospel, which actually is really no gospel at all. Paul is very clear about this. So to make uh, a clear distinction between the true gospel, we'll say, and the false gospel, Paul says this in chapter 2. We who are Jews by birth, as Paul was, uh, and not sinful Gentiles. And and this was just a disparaging uh, term that was used by some of these misguided individuals. Those sinful Gentiles, be careful of them, stay away from them. So we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen to that? Yeah, okay. That is what we call the true gospel. I think that Aaron did a great job last week um, bringing us through uh, Galatians chapter 2. And here he, made a, he did a great job making the distinction between this false and this true gospel. Uh, he summed up the order of the false gospel in this way. And if you were here, you remember. And if you weren't, uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's amazing. The order of the false gospel is this. Accept Jesus, obey the Jewish laws, and then be saved. That was their formula, if you will. Paul's point was that this false gospel is out of order. The true gospel is this. Accept Jesus, be saved. Hallelujah. And then 
obey God. Obey God. I think that's beautiful. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. We get to obey God. We don't have to to earn our salvation. We get to. And it's, and it's, uh, and it's our joy doing so. So this is the gospel Paul had preached in Galatia. This is our review for many of you. Um, but sadly, the group of misguided Christian leaders who visited these young churches, as I said, they persuaded these believers into being, um, that being justified was with God was the result of following Jesus and following the Jewish law. So now we get to chapter 3. Um, and, and again, Paul is wrestling with this. He's He's disappointed with them. He's maybe borderline angry with them, you know, um, for, for falling for this scam. And like, how could you? After all that you've experienced, how could you? And so, um, so you see this um, here in the beginning of chapter 3. You know, he's trying to wrap his mind. How could they fall for such nonsense? What are you thinking? So in rapid fire succession, Paul asked five questions in just the five verses of the chapter. I don't know if you've ever had meetings like this where you just ask one question after another. You don't even get a chance to answer. It's like, bam, whoa, chill, you know. But Paul's not going to chill. He's just going to hit him with five questions. First one, who's bewitched you? Who's bewitched you? And who's fooled you? Who's tricked you? Who's scammed you? And of course, the answer are those who were peddling this different gospel that said faith in Christ was not enough to be right with God. That's who. The second question, did you receive the Spirit by the work of the law or by believing what you heard? And the answer was they had received the Spirit by simply believing the true gospel. That's how they had received it. They just needed Paul to remind them of that. Third question, are you so foolish? Well, when you put it that way, maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, the answer is sadly, yes, we are. Number four, after beginning by the means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? And again, the answer is sadly, yes, I guess this is exactly what we're trying to do. Um, and, geez, we've been tricked, haven't we? And then have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So as new Christians, the Galatians, as, I, as I've said, they've experienced the joy of their salvation. I remember as a new Christian feeling just so liberated from everything that had once held me a slave. I couldn't. It was very difficult for me to contain my enthusiastic response to God's grace in my life. And, and I didn't have much of a filter, so I just shared it with everybody. And I've shared with you before that I didn't really know how sometimes to share my enthusiasm tactfully. And so I know that I turned some people off, but I couldn't contain it. That's the point. I was so overfilled with joy, as were these young believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, they, they had experienced this joy. They had experienced this freedom of knowing that their sins had been forgiven. And they had experienced also the power 
of the Holy Spirit at work in their community. And they have seen miracles take place that only God could do. They had witnessed all of this. And Paul's point was that to believe that what Jesus accomplished on their behalf wasn't sufficient was to believe that his death on the cross was in vain. As was, of course, all human attempts at earning salvation. Sometimes we need to be asked more than once, what were you thinking? Like, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? The voice of my parents are coming back right now. <laughs> Multiple times, what were you thinking? Oh, Mom, the answer's the same. I don't know. I wasn't. I don't have a better answer. Sometimes we need to be asked more than once. Paul needed to ask the Galatians more than once. Verse 5, he asked again, Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? We can only hope that at this point in Paul's letter, they're like, oh, dang, we've made a mistake. We've been duped. We've been scammed. We've been tricked. And that maybe they're beginning to come to their senses. It's, it's difficult to know exactly how they're responding, but it, one would hope that this is a turning point for them. So Paul finished asking his what were you thinking questions. So now he goes on and he, he actually spends the rest of this chapter showing them or teaching them, perhaps again, how believing in God, how believing in God, as opposed to observing the law, had always been the way of justification and righteousness with God. So let's dive into this a little bit. We're, we're going to pick up with verse 6. Uh, so also Abraham. So we're going way back uh, near the beginning of human history, really. So also Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God. Because the righteous will live by faith. Some of you might remember that phrase from the book of Habakkuk that we looked at this summer. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order, in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So much in this passage. 
So glad those of you in home group got to go deep with this passage. We're not going to be able to go super deep, um, but uh, would love to have coffee with you if you want to discuss this passage in more depth later. Paul, uh, Paul referred to these Gentile believers. He referred them back to this guy named Abraham. And, and, and it's because Abraham, according to Scripture, was given God's righteousness or was credited to him as righteous um, 430 years before the Jewish law was even given. So anybody, right, so I mean that just puts an end to the argument where you got to like fulfill the law in order to be righteous. No, for hundreds of years beforehand. People like Abraham were getting right with God because they believed God, even before the law was given. It's a mind-blowing concept, even before um, Moses. So in this section, Paul argued that rather than being um, a means of salvation, as some people um, thought, the law was given actually, as we see in many places, was actually given to expose our need for salvation. That was the purpose of the law. He made this point in another letter when he wrote, and this is in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. That's the purpose of the law. Not to save us, but to help us to realize how badly we need to be saved. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, it's helpful in that way. Anyone who would believe that they can earn their salvation through keeping the law is merely fooling themselves, is what Paul is saying. Using Paul's language, they actually have fallen under a curse they are cursed because they have been scammed into believing that they can save themselves. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for providing a way for Jews and Gentiles, people like me, to be saved. Not through the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Anybody else thankful for that? Amen. In order to be free from this curse of thinking that we can or somehow that we have to save ourselves, the good news is that Jesus took upon himself our curse. This is what Paul is writing about. That's the good news. How do you get rid of the curse? Let Jesus take it from you. This is what he wants to do. He hung on the cross. This is what it means by the pole. He hung on the cross so that by faith and only by faith in him could any of us be saved and then receive the Holy Spirit. This saving faith of which Paul kept referring, it's, it's a Greek word. It's the Greek word pistis is how you pronounce it. And it's used 22 times in, in this letter alone. 22 times, it's, it's a short letter, 22 times this Greek word, pistis, comes up, uh, faith and believing. And you, so you already know um, that this is an important theme throughout the book of Galatians. But then you get to Galatians chapter 3. Of the 22 times this word is used in Galatians, it occurs 13 times in this chapter alone. Over half of its use is in Galatians 
uh, 3. So clearly, it's a really an important uh, concept um, for, for Paul to help the Galatians gain clarity about, um, about what having faith in Jesus really meant. And it's just as important for us to be really clear about this too, because there's confusion about this. And, and, um, and, and I hear it, um, and some of you might hear it too. So, uh, for instance, I've heard people talk about their faith in Jesus in terms of what they d- believe to be true about the Bible. So some of these people, um, I've known many, they're smart people, they're educated people, some of them are PhD people. Uh, they have huge sections of the Bible memorized. And it's as if it's, it's what they know is, is the equivalent of having faith in Jesus Christ. Well, knowing the right things about God is certainly really important. But if just knowing what was right about God was all that was necessary, as James, somebody who wrote about this in, later in the scripture, um, as he said, then even the demons would be believers and Christians because they know what is right about God. And they are not among the redeemed. So knowing what's right about God is not a way to salvation. It's faith in Jesus and in him alone. I've heard some people talk about their faith in terms of their church activities. It's not uncommon for me to hear folks equating their faith with past or current church. Like, I did this in church. I served in this capacity. Yeah, anytime the building was open, we were there, my family and me and, you know, we are devoted, fill in the dominate, d- denominational blank. And you hear people talk, use this language as if going to church is what makes a person a Christian. Well, I'm going to pull out a quote that I heard when I was in college, student. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. It's as good today as it was back then. Yeah, that's such an important distinction. What it means to be a Christian doesn't mean coming to church. It means trusting in Jesus Christ, putting your full faith in him. It's important to be really, really, really clear about this. Being a kind, generous, and loving person. This is certainly what God wants from all of us, to be a kind, loving, generous person. But all of our random acts of kindness will not earn our way into all eternity. It will not get us into heaven. It falls short. Only Jesus can save us because only Jesus paid the price for our sin when he took it all upon himself on the cross. So we don't try to work to improve upon the completed work of Christ. Amen? This is not what we do. Rather, we receive from God the gift of eternal life by faith through Christ and follow Jesus by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the true gospel of Jesus Christ is that justification with God through Christ is through Christ and is through Christ alone. 
Okay, so um, I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit. I'm going to define what faith in Jesus Christ is. I'm sure that some of you can improve upon this. This is just my attempt. Um, I think it's pretty good, but not necessarily perfect. So feel free to improve upon this as you can. What does having faith in Jesus Christ mean? I think it means this. Acknowledging that we have no ability to save ourselves. We are, de- we are hopeless in this way. Hopeless. We can, we can do lots of other things, but this we cannot do. We're smart. We're capable. We can fix things. We can build things. We can do beautiful stuff, but we can't save ourselves. That's number one. Number two, accepting that our only hope for salvation is Jesus Christ. I feel like I've already driven this one home. I'm going to move on. Surrender our lives to Jesus. This is number three. We're just going to surrender our lives to Jesus, recognizing that it was he that gave us our lives. They belong to him. We're just going to give them back to him. And we're going to just say, God, not my will anymore, but yours be done in my life. Because you know it's best. You're the designer of this. So I just give it back to you. Make of it as you would. And then finally, following having faith in Jesus means that we follow Jesus Christ in obedience to what he's instructed. We don't jerry-pick. Well, I like this. I like that commandment. I like this commandment. No. Jesus taught it. We do it. We do it. We We obey it. We obey it. That's just what it means. To be, um, to have, to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And we live it out. Uh, we live out our life by the Spirit in this way. So I have, I need lots of help in order to do this. It's one thing to stand up here Sunday morning, you know, to look like I know what I'm doing, but I need a lot of help to do this. And so there's a, some of you know there's a Bible verse that's meant a lot to me over the years. It's Acts 20, 24. And, and I refer to it as my life verse. And uh, it really helps kind of keep me on target here. Um, th- it, this is a quote from the Apostle Paul. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. How does this help me? To say that my life is worth nothing to me reminds me that there's nothing that I can do to save myself. It's part of what that all means to me. Uh, when I pray that I just want to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has entrusted to me, it, it, it's reminding me of the importance to stay focused on his purposes and his plans for my life. We all sort of, we, we have to stay in our lane that God gives us. And, and this helps me to stay focused on the lane that God's called me to run in. Um, that, that part of this verse I'm reminded by this verse of my responsibility to make known to others uh, the gift of God's grace through Christ. This verse reminds me of this every day. And then also it reminds me of my own daily need for God's grace. Uh, Acts 20, 24 kind of roots me every day in uh, what it means to live by faith or to put my faith in Jesus Christ. All right, so some of you know this, that in just a little bit, I'm going to invite you. I'm going to invite you to participate in what God is saying uh, here this morning. We have time to do this. Um, so we're going we're gonna to put this mic, we're going to put it here in the, uh, in the middle, and I'm going to invite you uh, to talk about your experience with faith. 
And I'm going to put up um, four questions. We're going to put them up here. And I'm going to invite you, because we, we have time to do this, but we don't have unlimited time, if you know what I mean. So when you come up, uh, we're going to ask that you share briefly and that you uh, choose one of these questions uh, and, and respond to it briefly. Uh, what does having faith in Jesus Christ mean to you? Um, how has your faith in Christ impacted you or others around you? And what ways do you see your faith in Christ growing? And uh, how would you like this community to be praying with you for your faith in Christ to increase? Um, so I'm going to keep these up just for a little bit longer so that you can um, consider which question you would actually like to um, share your answer with this morning. And I'm really looking forward to that. I think what we're going to do is, um, because I want to make sure that we have time, um, I'm just going to say as a way to wrap up, um, if we could put up uh, verses 26 to 29, we'll just uh, land there. Um, So this is uh, the very end of the chapter, and uh, Paul's making the argument In the rest of Galatians chapter 3, that the promise that God made to Abraham was available not just to Abraham's physical descendants, those with a Jewish DNA, but actually to those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, The promise is now for those of us who are in Christ Jesus is what it's saying, that we are, um, as we're going to see here in this, let's just read this um, um, verse. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Uh, for all of you who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew or Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promises. And this is amazing news. This amazing news. This is referring to us, uh, the church. That this is what we get to do. So um, let's just move into this time of uh, sharing. I was going to give you a little bit more time, but I'm not going to. Here you go. A little. Um, so some of you I know are primed. You have something that you are really wanting to share with us, and I hope that uh, you find the courage to do so. Uh, I want to say, because I sense that there's some folks here who, a lot of people here have faith in Christ to varying degrees of strength, and uh, and we're thankful to God for that, aren't we? Whatever degree, size of a mustard seed, we're thankful for that size faith. Um, Maybe larger faith, we're thankful for that. But some uh, here have come because they've been invited or you accidentally ended up on the corner of Grant and Chestnut and you're still trying to figure out, how did I get here? But here you are. And I'd say that you're here for a reason. It's not an accident. And um, that some of you maybe actually are saying, I have, I would say, uh, faith that I haven't acted on. And as an adult, I need to act on this faith. I need to give my life. I need to put my trust in Jesus Christ now as an adult. Maybe I did it as a young kid. Maybe my parents did it for me or whatever. But now as an adult, I need to do this. I need to make an adult decision to to put my trust in Christ. 
And so as you are hearing these stories that you're about to hear, I've never heard them before, I don't think. Um, so maybe God will speak to you and give you the courage to respond also by faith and trusting him as your Lord and Savior. How are we doing? We're doing good? So um, for those of you that are joining us online, I want you to participate in this too. You have the questions, and so I'd love for you to um, maybe type in the chat uh, your responses to these questions, and then the guys, what they're going to do is they're going to text me your answer. If we have time, I'll read them out loud so that we all get to hear them. So thanks for participating as you're able to. Okay. There they are. There are the questions. Let's encourage one another. Let's testify. Um, and let's have fun doing this as we worship the Lord. Uh, and we have 10 minutes to do this. So fast. Okay. Yeah. Come on down, Martin. So I think uh, probably number two. Uh, some of you may have heard how uh, chemistry and biochemistry and physics programs at our college are uh, being scheduled for closure and since I'm the chair of chemistry and physics that's impacting me somewhat um, in fact myself and my colleagues could lose our jobs uh, I uh, some of you may know that when I was a kid God prepared me for the death of my father by sort of preparing me that something bad was coming and to trust in him. And I had similar experiences last year when we certainly did not expect this news at all. And of course I started worrying what's gonna happen <laughs> next year. Uh, but I feel that God has been with me and even day by day, um, uh, I've, I've had a, something of peace in me through this whole period of the summer when we knew all these changes were happening. And even my daily Bible study, even the, the hymns we've sung today, um, he, he will hold me fast. Uh, I feel that God is in control and that although I can't tell what's going to happen, is God taking us somewhere different? Is God gonna take us through a time of fighting for the programs to save them? I don't know right now, but I do feel that God is in control and uh, that uh, our faith, because at least all of the chemists in our department are Christians and we all pray together over this, uh, he's in charge. So that's talking in a crowd but uh, I got a testimony that God has sent to me back in March 4th I had a lung collapse and I ended up in the Augensburg Hospital and it was the weirdest thing I ever went through in my life when they put the anesthesia to me um, I felt my body rolling through clouds and I was rolling up and it was like this is the end you're done your days are done. And then, and I was like, oh God, please just, please take me. And the Lord come, brought me like to the, right to the edge of the roof. And he, and I didn't see him, but I heard him say, I'm not ready for you yet. I got more plans for you. 
And I felt my body come back to earth. It was the weirdest thing I ever felt in my life. But to this minute, I learned that it's a second. You're here one second, you're gone the next second. It's that quick. And I believe coming to church, having faith in the Lord is what's keeping me walking right now on, on the earth. And I really believe that faith in the Lord and coming to this church and dealing with other people in churches, there's an answer to this for me somewhere along the line. And I'm starting to learn what it is. And it's to reach out to other people. And as a living, I feed people every day. And I just want to thank God for what he's done for me. And to let you know that's a split second from life to death. And the Lord is the one that's going to be making the choice. Um, I'd like to respond to uh, the last question. Um, I'm someone who uh, struggles with um, sort of insecurities about myself and uh, my abilities and... Um, I've just been praying lately that uh, I would come to believe what um, my father says about me and his plans for my life. And um, that's what I've been praying about lately. But um, I think that I do feel that he is moving in my life in that way because um, uh, this is a really great uh, church community and I I'm, feel very loved by a lot of people in my workplace where, um, so I do feel that um, it does make it feel like things are going to improve in my faith. So I'm very grateful for, to God for that. So if I cry, it's all good. Um, I was thinking when Glenn was sharing that in that chapter, it talks about faith 22 times. It's because faith is hard. Like sometimes having faith is really hard, even though we know it's the right thing, it's just hard. And um, some of you may know that I have a child who has a lot of major health issues that range from physical to emotional to spiritual, lots of things. And um, it's been a long road, eight years since the fun started. And um, uh, I've had to walk through times when I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to feel like this anymore. And about four years ago, God was like, well, you have to choose what you are focused on. Are you focused on me or are you focused on what's hard? Because God is not hard. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. But the world is hard. So we live in a world that is not encouraging. We live in a world where you see more bad than good. And what God showed me four years ago is what is changing even in the midst of this suffering, what is better? Because sometimes we just look for what's not good. 
my relationship with my child was broken for a while. I'm here to testify today that it is healing. My faith was part of that struggle. And God is prevailing. And my child and I are ready to face the new steps she has to take and the, the new hard things she has to go through. And we're doing it together because God is faithful. It's been hard and I've hated it. That's okay because God can take it if I hate what's going on. God can take it if I'm really mad. God can take it if I've given up for a minute. But if you want to have an easier time with your faith, I guess I'm talking about number three, look for the good, even when it really does suck. Even when life is a pile of nothing that you want to deal with, there's always ways that God is being faithful. And if you can't see it, find someone to pray with you because lots of times God will tell them what's good and they can let you know because it is hard, but it is worth it. So I'm going to pray and... Um and, uh, and if you would like to make an adult decision to put your faith in Christ um, based on the ways in which God is speaking to you, um, then um, I'll give you the opportunity to do that. God, thank you for encouraging us, Lord, with your word. <clears throat> God, we don't want to be tricked. We don't want to be fooled. God, we want to... Um, live out the true gospel. We want to proclaim the true gospel. And so, God, we pray that you would help us uh, day by day because there's a lot of scammers out there. Um, God, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And encourage us, God, through um, the days which where the sun is out and it's beautiful and it's bright and it's amazing, but also there are days, God, when it's cloudy and it's awful, and we need encouragement. So, so God, we, we pray that you would continue to give us what we need, Father, to, uh, as Scott reminded us, to, uh, to live our lives um, faithfully <clears throat> right up to the very end. Um, God, you are worth it. Thank you for... Um, the, uh, the joy of your Holy Spirit. Uh, God, thank you for the fullness of life that you have gifted us with. Um, a life that is meant for more than just going through the motions of surviving in this world. But God, you have gifted us with your presence by your Spirit to help us to thrive, and to be people of joy to people who know the fullness of this life, even with all of its responsibilities. So God, help us again not to lose sight of that. For those who are wanting to um, uh, make a first-time commitment or a first-time adult decision to follow Jesus, uh, I would just invite you to simply confess to God right now that you do not have the ability to save yourself.
but in fact that Jesus, you are now understanding that Jesus is the only one who can save you. So acknowledge that also. And as you give him thanks, I would invite you to surrender your life, saying, God, this life does not belong to me. You have given it to me as a gift. And so I give it back to you. And do with my life as you would. It's an open book, as it were. Write, write this book. And then I would invite you to to make a commitment that I will learn more about my Savior and my Lord Jesus. So much to learn in the Bible. I'm going to learn as much as I can. And as I learn of what Jesus taught, I'm going to obey it. I'm going to live it out. I'm not going to be a compromiser. I'm going to go all in. So, Father, for those who are having that conversation with you, Lord, I pray that you would forgive them of their sin. God, as they turn from their sin, the ways in which they've been trying to live their lives, God, I pray that you would um, forgive them. Lord, that you would um, fill them, God, with your Holy Spirit. Lord, giving them um, the gifts that are needed, that they need, Father, even this day, to honor you. So, Father, we commit them to you. We commit ourselves to you. Lord, we know that as the Galatians were um, sidetracked, so we could easily become sidetracked. And maybe some of us have. God, help us to get on the back on the right track, we pray. Continue to encourage us, continue to speak to us. And now, God, as we respond to you with our voices raised, God, in worship, we pray, God, that we would do so wholeheartedly. God, we pray that we would sing and respond and worship, God, even by faith in a way that brings you honor and glory and praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for participating. Um, And uh, again, as the musicians are making their way up, we are going to have a prayer team up here afterwards. And so um, let's let the prayer continue. If you're feeling a little funky, if you've got some questions, if you're feeling a little like I could use some help, feel free to come on up and we'll be really happy to pray with you.